It's back to Romans chapter 13. Um, you go there with me, and let me read you the last paragraph of Romans 13. And then uh, I want to jump someplace else real quick um, to help us as we try to figure out what Paul's saying here. Romans 13, beginning at verse 11. I'll just read that paragraph. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. We're only going to look at verse 11 tonight, but to to better understand verse 11, I I, I want to invite you to turn to 1 Chronicles 12. Again, this is a step I hope that will help clarify what Paul is saying in verse 11 there. But I want to show you something in 1 Chronicles 12. So that's uh, in the way in in the Old Testament. So uh, see if you can find that. Um, guys, this is a, a kind of a historical record of the of the reign of David. Um, uh, you get um, the death of Saul and his sons in chapter ten of First Chronicles ten, um, and in the chapter eleven, David is anointed king, and then David moves to Jerusalem, and then beginning in the middle of chapter eleven, uh, David begins to, or the, the the narrator of this book begins to tell you about David's, the men who gathered around him. The, the, what that's, what my text calls, uh, mighty men, David's mighty men, and how they, um, how he divided them and arranged them and, and organized them into, um, something that would be, be profitable for his kingdom. And over in chapter 12, um, uh, look at verse 23. Uh, these are the numbers of the divisions of the armed troops who came to David in Hebron to turn the kingdom of Saul over to him according to the word of the Lord. So what you're getting here in this is just a list of the, of the men and who they, where they came from, that was what tribe they came from, uh, that became David's kind of army, uh, as, as his kingdom began. In the midst of all this, in the midst of all of this, uh, record of mighty men and useful men to David, there is a statement there that I, years ago, I used to I'd go to this statement again and again. Um, it's in verse 32. He comes to the tribe of Issachar. That is, he's, he's got men that's coming from all 12 of the tribes. And he comes to the tribe of Issachar, and there is a group of men that have come to him to help him from the tribe of Issachar. It's in verse 12, uh, 32, as I said. Of Issachar... Men who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. 200 chiefs and all their kinsmen under their command. I love that statement because it, it, it describes a group of men, 200 of them, who were of the tribe of Issachar that came to David, and they were men who understood their times. Look at, that's what it says. They, are, they were, they, they just had a grasp of what their times were like. They had an understanding of the times. And as a result of understanding their times, the text goes on to say, they then knew what were wise decisions that Israel ought to make. Again, that's what the text says. To know what Israel ought to do. There was a group of supporters behind David who understood their times. 
And as a result of understanding their times, that then gave them wisdom to try and advise David in terms of what decisions ought to be made. A group of people who understood their times. Where did that flock go? Where did that um, those sons of Issachar, where are they today? Well, I say that to, to try and help you understand what Paul is saying in Romans 13, because that's basically what he's pleading for there. Um, when he says, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. There is an understanding necessary of the times, which will then lead us to a greater uh, wisdom in making wise decisions. Guys, in the Greek language, there are two words. There are two words that um, that are translated time. Chronos and Kairos. Chronos is a word from which we get our English word chronometer. You know what a chronometer is, don't you? It's on your wrist watch. It's on your wrist. It's a, it's, it's a, it's something that measures time. It's a chronometer. Comes from that Greek word. Of course, we just call them watches now. But there's another Greek word that's kairos. It has nothing to do with the measurement of time. It has to, I mean, this would be something that is historical. This would be something that is historic. This would be epic. Um, it's, it's describing um, not so much the advance of moments. It's describing, it's a word that's used to describe the nature and the character of the times in which we live. Of course, as you might expect, the word that's found here is not this one. It's this one. Paul is saying... Um, we are to be people who know the time. Not this time, but this time. It's, it's not, he's not asking you to be experts in clock reading. There has to be an understanding of the, the, the days in which we live. Um, in David's day, there was a group of men who understood their times, and thus they knew how to advise Israel as to what was best to do, what decisions were best to make. Those men and women seem very rare, do they not, um, in our time? Guys, what kind of times do we live in? Um, Jesus gives you a little bit of hint in Luke 11. He says, when the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is an evil generation. Um, I think one of the things that, 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 um, that does characterize the generation in which we find ourselves in is that it is wicked. It is evil. I don't know whether you remember this guy, Robert Bork. This is somewhat of an older book, um, 1996, so it's 14 years old. Uh, Robert Bork was a uh, Supreme Court nominee who was rejected um, by, by Congress, who was ultimately was not uh, approved. Um, he wrote this book after that, and the, and the title of the book is Slouching Towards Gomorrah. Uh, I, I remember reading it and was just being so overcome by it. And this is 14 years ago. I'm not going to read you part of the book, 
But I just want to read you a part of the table of contents. This, this is what he talks about in his book, Slouching Towards Gomorrah. The collapse of po- popular culture. The case for censorship. The rise of crime, illegitimacy, and welfare. Killing for convenience. Abortion, assisted suicide, and euthanasia. The politics of sex. Radical feminism's assault on American culture. The dilemmas of race. The decline of intellect. The trouble in religion. The wistful hope for fraternity. Those are just some of the, the subjects that he discussed in this book called, uh, or describing a country that is slouching towards Gomorrah. And I think you know what Sodom and Gomorrah represent. Just the, 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 the worst of all evils. And guys, do you think there's been any progress in this downward descent for, for the last 14 years? Oh, <laughs> you better believe it. Gang, there is a, there is an admonition here from the Apostle Paul that if we are to make wise decisions, there is a sense in which there's got to be an understanding of our times. Now, Jesus has said that they are evil times, and I don't think anybody would dispute that. Um, another statement that we find in Galatians 1, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. Um, we live in an evil age. And I don't think anybody would disagree with that. That's just part of understanding the times. But in, but in addition, guys, the door of grace is not yet slammed shut. It is also um, an evil generation, but it is also a generation. It is also a time where grace has is is still broadcast, is still available. It is judgment has not yet come. The Great Commission has not yet been fulfilled. It is still binding on the conscience of the Christian church. That is, that we can still announce um, the availability and 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 um, the readiness of the availability of grace and the readiness of God to forgive. But, guys, according to what Paul is saying in this little paragraph, time, um, look at the last part of verse 7, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Well, if it were nearer to him then, then it's nearer to us, it's much nearer to us now. It's nearer to us in terms, in terms of individuals. Guys, uh, there is a, um, there is a finite supply of time. You remember um, when Israel was being um, sieged by Assyria, I, I think, and um, uh, food was so rare that um, a, a, a pint of, was it dove's dung, I think, was, was selling for 20 shekels or whatever. Because when, the, when, um, when the, the supply is reduced, when the supply is, is limited... Then the price goes up. Okay, guys, if, if this commodity known as time is, is finite, um, then it ought to be very precious to us in the way that we use it. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight is the way that we use our time. Um, I can tell you this. We don't know when we're going to run out of it. Um, we don't have limitless time. None of us. And, um, we are finite, and his admonition here is, notice um, in verse 11, he says, 
wake from sleep. He says that several times in the New Testament, guys. He says it in 1 Thessalonians 5. But, um, guys, the, the idea is Paul sees a certain urgency in, because of the present evil age. And if it was an evil in Paul's day, surely we can see that evil has advanced in ours. Guys, um, years ago, one of my heroes, um, one of the, the heroes of any reformed thinker like myself, is a guy by the name of Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards wrote a... Uh, have you ever seen this text? If you haven't seen this one, this is a one that you ought to underline. It's in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, when uh, he says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. That's uh, Ephesians 5, 16. Uh, or, and, I, and some of the older translations talk about redeeming the time. Well, Jonathan Edwards had a sermon on uh, Ephesians 5.16, and it was just on redeeming the time. And what I want to give you tonight um, is um, I just want to give you the major points of Jonathan Edwards' sermon on Ephesians 5.16 when it, when, uh, that it's, talk, it's calling us to redeem the time. Um, this sermon was preached in uh, 1734, but he was calling... Um, the Christian Church to these standards, and I want to. I want to. There's there's four of them. I want to mention them to you um, as as we try to respond to right to Romans chapter thirteen verse eleven. Here was the first point. You are accountable for your time. It's a currency, ladies and gentlemen, and because it's so finite. For instance. If you lose your money, you can get your money back. And I know we're all pulling for that, aren't we? But if you lose your time, you don't get that back. Guys, it's a currency that has to be spent more carefully, more cautiously than even our money. We can get some more of it, but we cannot get any more of this stuff called time. Gang, um, one of the common diseases among members of the Christian church is that they say that their whole involvement in soulish activity is, is impossible because they don't have time. Well, gang, um... <laughs> I shouldn't do this. Um, but I'm going to help you get some more of your time back. Okay? I'm just, um, for those of you who troubled over the decline of your soul, because, uh, you know, so much of your time is, is, uh, is occupied and you don't have much to devote to the, to the care of your soul, let me help you. Okay? Um... One of the one of the the conversations that we have uh, I, I have with the young guys on the staff here qu- quite frequently is that I am not on Facebook. I don't want to be on Facebook. I don't have any interest in being on Facebook. And what they're saying is, but there's so much redemptive value in Facebook. I want you to know I don't I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that there is redemptive uses. Of, um, of Facebook. 
I um, I know that a lot of announcements can be made fast. I think uh, you know there's there's article after article in Christian magazines about how the Christian church is to properly use technology, and I think we we we've got to be uh, involved in the use of technology. But I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, with every piece of conviction of soul, you are wasting hours per week on that silly, blasted Facebook thing. Come on, y'all. Really? Really? We have no time for soul, our souls, but we got time to make sure that somebody put mustard on their hot dog. Who cares, ladies and gentlemen? Who cares? I'm not calling you to get off Facebook. I wouldn't dream of fighting that. I ain't man enough. But I'll tell you this. How about this? How about cutting an hour I was going to say a day, but that that wouldn't work because then you'd be down to four hours a day. And, you know, you can't keep up with all your friends in just four hours, a, a paltry four hours a day. Guys, um, I don't know who it was, and I forget who told me this. I forget which family it is true of. But And I forget the hour. I want to say 9 p.m., but I think it might be 8 p.m. At 8 p.m., every phone in the house is turned off. Now, guys, that might be something you might want to consider. You know, you might pick up an hour or so. You might pick up 30 minutes a day that you could spend in developing soulish health. Gang. You don't have time. You know what? Um, we have time for everything that we think is essential to our well-being. Don't we? Now, I'm just offering some suggestions as to how you might redeem some time that I'm telling you, in my humble opinion, in large measure, is being wasted. Very frankly, ladies and gentlemen, my major offense is that I don't have time to be on Facebook. I don't want to devote two hours a day to checking out what's going on in your life. I don't want to. I, You know, when there's major issues, but I don't care that you got 30% off of a handbag at Marshall's. I don't care. And, and I don't want to read about it. I don't want to devote a limited commodity to something as trivial as that. Ladies and gentlemen, do you believe that we live in an evil age? Do you believe that? Do you believe that the, that the, that the door of grace is still open for, for wicked and sinful and not redeemed people? But we're going to find out about who's dating whom? Come on. Really? Have you seen that commercial? I love it. The guy's on his phone. I shouldn't talk. You've seen the commercial. He's standing at a urinal. It drops his phone in the, in the guy standing next to him says, really? You know, I want to look at some of you and say, really? Really? This, it's that important for you to know that? Come on, y'all. Surely not. 
I'm not, I'm not asking you to get off. I'm simply saying discipline yourself so that you won't waste valuable hours that could be... De- Let me ask you this. When is the last time you read a book? I'm not talking about a John Grisham novel. He's got a new one, you know. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> My wife's already read it. Um, uh, take that. Um, but something that's good for your soul. When's the last time you... Well, I don't have any time, Jimmy. I don't have any time to do that. But you got three hours a day to maintain your Facebook status? Come on, y'all. Come on. We can pick up some hours just by disciplining ourselves over Facebook. The other issue, of course, which, you know, I don't need to go very far on this, but, um, you know... <laughs> Back in the summertime, Susie and I, I have a television. Well, there's a television in the bedroom, and that you know you're never supposed to do that, but we have a television in the bedroom, and it was we've had it since 1981, I think, and um, we finally it finally was croaking, so I had we had to go, we, and you know it was one of those big ones, those big suckers, you know, with the big body, and you know, it took four men to carry it, and um, so we had to go out and get a new one. So at that point, we decided that we had given enough money to Comcast. And I despise Comcast because, they, you know, in terms of customer care, you can't ever get in touch with the people. And, and it does anyway. So I was trying to find anything, anything that would that would take me uh, away from Comcast. Um, I, you know what? I, I better get back to my notes here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you later. Um, um, okay, guys. Uh, well, I'll go on. Um, so we had to buy a new television. Well, you can't get the big ones anymore. I mean, you, you got to buy one of these flat things, and we got a hole in our wall for the big old thing. And but anyway, we were forced to buy one, and we were going to change. We were going to change um, server, the, whatever they, the people that give you your television, you know, Comcast. Anyway, we we're going to change and try to just save money. So we ended up doing Dish Network. My wife researched that and did a very admirable job. Um, but with the, our package, we now have a DVR. A DVR. We get a free DVR with our package. Now, we got that at the 1st of August. Do you know how many times we've used that DVR? I don't know how to use it. We've used it none Zero. We never, never have taped anything. Now, guys, I, I'm not trying to denounce the wickedness of a DVR. I'm simply saying, do you really need that much television experience? Do you? Really? Or could you pick up an hour a week or so? Because, ladies and gentlemen, we are accountable for our time. That's his point. We're, I mean, you're accountable for your money. You're accountable for your words. Well, time is a finite commodity that when you lose it, you can't get any more of it. And the way we spend it ought to be thought through a little bit differently, I think. So I'm giving you two suggestions as to how to pick up maybe four hours a week and, and use the four hours. I don't know. Redeem it. Instead of, instead of abusing that 
that those hours that we could devote elsewhere. Um, guys, I, I'm just trying to find some time eaters that will help us address our soul. Um, if you picked up four hours a week, maybe you could read a book that would stimulate you and, and would, would stir your soul. Wouldn't that be something? Because very frankly, if, if, your, if your spiritual health is dependent upon the little 25, 30-minute ditty you get from me every week, you're, you're probably not very healthy. But the, the Christians that are reading, the Christians that are, are finding uh, growth more, more a possibility. So those are a couple of ways that you could turn it off at 8 o'clock. Turn it off some other time. But discipline yourself in terms of those two time meters. Here's the second point he makes. Um, consider how much time you have already lost. Um, see, that's what I think this, this admonition of the Apostle Paul is when he says, Wake up! Or wake from your sleep. Have we, have we fallen into some kind of spiritual stupor? Um, so consider how much we've already wasted. How much have we wasted? Well, okay, Lord, forgive me. I am going to change that. That's what I'm pleading for, guys. Consider the time since Sunday that we lost. And, and we're living in an evil age where the door of grace is not yet slammed shut and the Great Commission is still binding. Maybe we could use our time differently. Maybe we could use it redemptively. Um, here was his third point. Um, consider how you may improve without delay. And that's what I've been trying to give you, is just some suggestions how, how we might improve our redeeming the time without delay. Those are pretty simple, guys. I mean, if I say, okay, you know, 8 o'clock, the thing's going off, or uh, every day I'm going to check uh, Facebook for one hour. No more. It's going off. Something like that, you know? Get creative. Uh, very honestly, guys, um, um, I'll, I'll just share this with you, too. I, well, I shouldn't. I, that's just an opinion. It's just an opinion, and I don't, I don't want to just give you my opinions. Okay, the, consider you, you, um, the, the call from Romans thirteen eleven is to turn from idleness. That's what he means when he says, "Wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than we first believed." He's calling us to turn from that idleness, guys. Um, I, I will say this. Um, if you're here tonight without a relationship with Jesus Christ, then, then the time for that decision is immediately, if not sooner. Um, but those of us who have trusted Christ, there is a time, this is the time, to be involved in some kind of broadcast of Jesus Christ. If we continue to wrongly misuse time, um, at one level, the cost could be downright hellish. Thinking that I've got plenty of time to uh, for things such as that, um, 
when in fact you do not. Um, we're going to look at a little bit more of that in a second, but um, I, I'm saying, guys, that a whole de- eternity depends upon how you spend time and the choices that you've made inside it. On your deathbed, um, if you if you continue to rent, remain impenitent, you will give your whole estate and and everything you own. If you can just have some more of it, some more time. I want to show you that, and with, that, with this we'll close. If you'll um, turn to Luke 16. This is the story of the Lazarus and the rich man. Um, I think you know the parable. Uh, some would say it's not a parable, but I, I, I think the language is parabolic. But um, you know... What happens in the, this parable? There was a rich man, verse 19, 16, 19, who was clothed in purple and fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day, and at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. <laughs> what a picture. Um, verse 22, the, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. He, um, he goes to heaven. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. And then in verse 25, to that request, God replies, I'll get right on it. I'll send it. I don't want to ever see anyone in any kind of torment like that. Let me, let me just get this Lazarus right on this, this journey as quickly as I can because I sure want to alleviate all the, the, the discomfort that you're in. No. To this request for mercy, God says, flat, no. And um, the rich man longed for just a little more time. And God, there came a time when God said, uh-uh. Guys, the the call, I think, uh, from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 13 is that. People who understand their times. I, I, I do want to show you one other thing. Um, it's in it's in uh, Luke chapter 11, if you can find that real quick. Um, no, it's in chapter 12. Um, Jesus says this in verse 56. You hypocrites... You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky. But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? You know, the the um, the condemnation of Jesus here is, well, you know how to do that. You know how to do that. You know how to do that. But you don't know how to understand the times in which you live. You know how to retrieve all your emails. You know how to communicate all vast numbers of uh, PDF files. You know how to uh, Photoshop all kinds of cutesy things, don't you? 
But you don't understand your times. What the church, one of the things that the church needs is a group of men and women who are very aware of the cultural evil that surrounds us and are um, awake, urgent, alive, engaged, um, determined, energetic in their efforts to see the Great Commission fulfilled. If you don't have time for that, something has got to go. Our Father, forgive us that we have and do and will waste time. And we spend it on things that are um, meaningless and valueless when there is uh, so much redemptive good to be done. So help us, O God. Help us to wake from the lethargy, the dullness, the soporific approach to To Christian living, might you find um, here a group of people who know the great value of the time given us and the um, the purpose for which it has been given. The more we've got, the longer we have to bring glory to the God who made us and found a way to save us in Christ Jesus. We commit ourselves to that and do so in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks and good night.